God's good, isn't he? Thank you, Lord. Man, I'll tell you what. God is so good, and I'm, I'm just excited this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God is good. And, um, hey, I was, can you stand up with me? Let's just open up with, with a, a prayer this morning. I just want to thank God for his goodness to us. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, you are so good. You're so good to us, Lord, and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Stand, just keep standing for a second. I want you to say this with me because I, I, I feel this in my heart this morning for you, and I, I told um, Karen's doing the interpretation, and I told her, oh, I'm gonna try, I'll try to keep it slow, but I got a lot in my heart. I probably got a month worth of sermon in my heart this morning, so I'll try to keep it, um, I'll try to keep it tight. But let me, let me say this, God has more in store for you than anything you've experienced up to this point in your life. Do you believe that? He has more, your, your best days are ahead. And, I, and I, here's what I feel the Lord saying to you this morning. And I want you to say this with me. Say this, I am saturated with his glory. I am filled with his glory. Miracles manifest wherever I go. Because I'm filled with his glory. If you believe that, now you don't have to say it. If you believe that, it will be yours. Amen. And I want to talk about this this morning. But see, you have, you have a choice in this thing. You can let him out or you can put him out. You know what I'm talking about? You can let God move through you or you can put out that fire. And I want to talk to you this morning about stewarding this glory that's on your life. Amen. Can you guys be seated? And uh, I, want to, I want to speak to you this morning out of the book of Judges. Can you flip over there with me? And um, we're going to look at a, a story this morning about Samson, the first Avenger. He was the, the world's first superhero uh, before there was Batman, before there was Superman, before there was, uh, who else, Captain America, there was Samson. When, when you were growing up in Israel in B.C., you, you, you were asking your mom to make you a Samson costume for Halloween. Mom, I want the long, I don't know what else it was besides the long hair, but that's what you want it to be for Halloween. I know there wasn't Halloween back there. Don't come correct me after service. You want it to be Samson because, I mean, that, it was the first superhero. My kids love to dress up. As superheroes, my three-year-old is now getting into the superhero phase, which is a little, a little concerning because um, his brother, when he went through this, was Spider-Man for an entire year. I think I've told you this before. He wouldn't go anywhere. Every morning, he would get up, and he'd have to have the Spider-Man costume every single morning. And I'd try to talk him out of it. I'd say, no, look, we're going to church this morning. You can't be spy. No, it didn't matter. He's Spider-Man, so Spider-Man would take Spider-Man to church. We'd go to the grocery store, right? And I'm like, you, you're going to embarrass me, son. Come on. You, you can't, I mean, it's one thing to have a Spider-Man T-shirt, but I'm talking the full costume with the mask, okay? Going through the grocery store. I'd get to the grocery store. I'd pick him up and put him in because he wants to ride in the cart. And I'm pushing Spider-Man around the grocery store, and people are stopping him, saying, hi, Spider-Man, how are you? And he would smile and wave because in his mind, he was Spider-Man, because kids, and I, and I love this, kids love to dress up, but they want to dress up as the superhero. If you give a, chi, a kid a choice and say you can, be, you can be a pirate or you can be 
Captain America, they're going to pick Captain America. If you give them a choice, you can be a clown for Halloween or you can be Spider-Man. They're going to pick spider If your kid picks the clown, there's something wrong with them. <laughs> Seriously. But they love to dress up because they want to think there's something great in them. Listen, you have some, and I shouldn't say something, you have someone great in you. You've got, you've got all of the power of the universe inside of you. The very God that created the earth, let there be light, and there was light. The very God that did all that lives inside you. There is someone great living in you. And I, I, like, I like going to the movies and watching those superhero things, right? I remember going to one just recently, and there was this big purple guy, and he was going to destroy the world. And I, you might know which one I'm talking about, this big purple ugly guy. And he's, he wants to destroy the world, and I'm watching that, and something in me is rising up, and the superheroes can't stop. I'm, I'm thinking, let me in, guys. It's my turn, because I'm going to say, no, 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 in the name of Jesus. You know what I mean? But something in me gets excited, because I know I got something in me that's greater than Captain America, and it's greater than Spider-Man. It's greater than all these. I got, I, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Did we hear that this morning? And I, I'll tell you, I want to talk about this this morning, because I feel like you've got something. God has deposited something inside of you. And sometimes we're not living up to that potential. You know what I'm talking about. You've got greater as he that's in the world living in you, but we don't live like it. We live like we're defeated. We live like we're struggling. We live like we're just day to day. You know what I mean? No, that's not how it's supposed to be. So let me talk to you about this. Look at the book of Judges, chapter 13. And... In, it's, this is interesting now. In the very first verse, see, Israel, it says, again, did what was evil in the Lord's sight. If you read through the book of Judges, you see this popping up over and over. And these guys couldn't get it together. Over and over and over, they do evil. And you know what happens? They would do evil. They'd start, they'd start worshiping idols, and then they would get put into slavery, slavery some some. Uh, people would come and oppress them because God would send them to oppress them and then they would repent and then God would deliver them, right? Over and over. It's like they would, you think they would get the idea, but over and over. But something is interesting about this story because it says that Israel did evil. The Lord handed them over to the Philistines for 40 years. And then it begins to talk about a man from the family of Dan whose name was Manoah. And his wife couldn't have children. And the angel appears to her and says, it's true that you're not able to conceive. That's not a problem here in this place. And you, you don't have any children. Yeah, I told somebody this morning, we need to be ready. Get some ushers with towels and boiling water because any minute somebody's going to pop. But it's true, you're not able to have children. But now you're going to conceive and give birth to a son. Please be careful. And he gives instructions. He says, don't, don't eat or drink anything unclean because you're going to conceive and give birth to a son and you must never cut his hair because the boy's going to be a Nazarite from birth. And he will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. Now, what I noticed in this passage, it doesn't say that Israel repented yet. All the other times as I read through Judges, there's, there's serving idols, there's the oppression, and then there's the repentance, and then there's the deliverer. But look at what God's doing. He's setting up the deliverer before he's needed so that when the time comes, the deliverer is ready. 
This is how God does things. Before you need, the supply is already provided for. Before you have the need, he's already made a way. Before, listen, this is exactly what Jesus did. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. Before Adam and Eve had a need, God already made a way. Before sin came into the world, he already provided Jesus, the lamb slain. Before he even founded the world, he had a plan. And listen, that's exactly what God does. Before you had a need, he made a way. And you might be facing something today saying, I, hey, you don't know what I need. I need something big. No, listen, he's already made a way. Yeah, brother, but I need a miracle. We, people throw that around like it's a big thing. Yeah, but, yeah, but I need a miracle. Well, that's exactly what God does. It's not difficult for him. It's only difficult for you because you don't trust him. Ouch, I didn't mean to. Sorry, <clears throat> sometimes things just come out. I need a miracle. Look, God was preparing the miracle before the people needed the, needed the miracle. Well, before they were ready for it, he provided it. I want you to keep your finger here in Judges. I wanna, we're gonna go through this story a little bit, but I want you to flip backwards for a second because I wanna kind of set this up. Go to Exodus 34, and, and um, this has been on my heart for a while, Exodus 34. I've been kind of just pondering this verse. I've heard some, I've heard, um, I think Jerry Savelle has been preaching this verse a lot, and I've just been thinking about it. Exodus 34 and verse 10. Here's what the Lord says. The Lord, the Lord tells Moses this. He says, look, I'm making a covenant. He made a covenant with his people. What's a covenant? A covenant is something that, that was an agreement. It was a promise that he would not break. Just like we have the old covenant, the law, we have the new covenant that was established through Jesus. The Lord made a covenant here, and he says, I am going to perform wonders in the presence of all your people that have never been done in all the earth. Or These aren't just any common things now. This isn't just something people could look at and say, well, that was a coincidence. This is gonna be something, miracles that have never been done in the entire earth or in any other nation. And everyone who sees it, everybody who lives around you is gonna see the Lord's work because what I'm doing is awe-inspiring. And here's what I feel the Lord is saying. This is a season where it's time to walk in the supernatural. This is a season where it's time to walk in the glory, the manifest glory of God in your life. Okay, no more low living, because you can choose to live low. You get to choose what happens in your life. You get to choose, am I gonna walk in the glory or am I gonna walk beneath it? You get to choose. But the Lord said here, I'm gonna make a covenant. He makes a promise. It doesn't say, it doesn't say the people have to beg for it, do they? Lord, please, if you could, Lord, if you could just please just hear me this one. No, it doesn't say that. He says, I make a covenant, I'm gonna do this for you. It doesn't say they gotta work him up. Doesn't say they gotta, they gotta make, make him feel bad for them. He just makes a covenant. I'm gonna do miracles among you. What was the reason? Did you, did you catch that? What was the reason, he says in verse 10, that I'm gonna do all those things? It's so that the people can see how good God is. And here's the point. God wants your life to be a reflection of his glory, because I'm gonna talk about this. You got his glory in you. He wants your, his glory to be seen in you so that when people see it, they say, man, God's good. And it draws people unto him. See, your life, your life should be drawing 
people to Jesus, not turning people away. Saying, man, that's what Christians like. I don't want, I don't want that. I'm not even talking about the sin and the hypocrisy and all that stuff. I'm just talking about sometimes Christians walk around like the most defeated people, the most we just think, oh, I'm suffering for Jesus right now. No, you're not. Shut up. You're just not walking the way you're supposed to because you're not believing the word of God. And we, we call it suffering. We call it persecution. We call it this. There is persecution and suffering, but that's not what most people are walking through. They're just not walking in the word. Are you with me? And then, so God makes this covenant, and he says, I'm going to do miracles and you see it all through the word. All through, as, I, as you read this word, this is not a natural book. You see the Red Sea gets parted. You see manna, bread, every day coming down in the wilderness, feeding people for 40 years. You see walls coming down with a shout. You see a little boy killing a giant. We're talking about raising giant killers in case you want to come on Wednesday nights and join me and a couple others. Um, we're talking about, I mean, you see it all through the word of God. You see, as you get to the New Testament, Jesus healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, and then he says, now you got the Holy Spirit, now you go do it. See, it, we forget that this is a supernatural book and God's put his supernatural Holy Spirit in you to start living the way he's called you to live. Amen. He gives us the Holy Spirit and he says, now do what you, I, so I want, I want to talk about this for a few minutes this morning because listen, I think this is a, a confusing message if you don't get a hold of it because we, we are never saying that, that you are, you are ex exalted. We're not glorifying you. We're glorifying God through our lives. By the way we live, it glorifies God. And so I want you to catch this with me, and we're gonna get back to poor Samson here in a minute. But Samson's a great example of stewarding what God has put in your life. He's a bad example of stewarding what God has placed inside you, deposited inside you. God has deposited something inside you. And I want you to look at this with me. I want you to go to Exodus chapter 40. Just indulge me for a minute. I've got a few scriptures. Exodus 40. And look at what it says in verse 34, let me, let me kind of set the stage. They've been, you, you've read through Exodus, so you know they're setting up the tabernacle and all this. And at the end of this book, they've got everything ready. Everything's in place. They begin to, to use the tabernacle. And here's what it says. The cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And it says Moses was unable to enter the tent of meeting, uh, or the, in, a, in the tabernacle too. It says because the cloud rested on it and the glory filled the tabernacle. Here's my point this morning. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the very temple of the Holy Spirit. The glory of the Lord was meant to be manifest in you. The glory filled the temple. What was, this, what was the scene like? Can you imagine being there? And, and they've set up this temple. They get ready to worship, and suddenly, boom, there's like a cloud that's so thick. It's like fog, so thick you can't see in front of your nose. Moses can't find the door because the glory, it's in Hebrew, it, the word is kabod. It's the weight of his presence. The weight of his presence was meant to be on your life. You were never supposed to, meet, to, to live this life without the presence of God on you. Listen, I want you to catch this. When Adam 
Flip over to, to Psalm chapter 8. When Adam was created, I don't think I gave you this verse, Psalm chapter 8, verse 5. When Adam was created, God clothed him with something. He wasn't made naked. He was naked after he ate the fruit. He was clothed with something. What does it say in Psalm 8, verse 5? You made him a little less than God. You crowned him with glory or clothed him with glory and honor. That word glory is kabod. Adam was made and he was covered in the glory of God. And, and the, the Hebrew tradition says this, when Adam was created, and again, this isn't from the Bible, this is tradition, but when Adam was created, they said they, that God brought him to present him before the angels or brought the angels to him rather to present the angels and introduce them to man. What is man? That's the question in Psalm chapter eight. What is man? And he brought the angels to present them to Adam. And when the angels came into the presence of Adam, they trembled in fear because he was clothed in the very glory of God. When Adam ate the fruit and sinned, the glory left. And now mankind trembles in the presence of angels. But that's not how the original creation was. He was clothed in glory. I want you to catch this because when Jesus came, he, brought, he gave back everything that Adam lost, didn't he? Everything that Adam lost was regained. And look at, look at um, John chapter 17, verse 22. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to share this in a way that you'll catch this, because this is important. John 17, 22. Jesus says, I have given them the glory you have given me. Jesus has given us his glory. Now listen, I didn't say you have, you have your own glory. No, 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 you have his glory. You have his glory in you. Here's what the word glory means. Yeah, it talks about the weight, the weight of his presence. It has to do with the presence of God. But I read this definition, and I like this. It says it's the manifest perfection of his righteousness. You have the manifest perfection of his righteousness in you. Come on. It has to do, yes, it has to do with honor. It has to do with, with being exalted because God's, God's raised you up. He hasn't put you beneath. He's, you're above everything. Every situation that comes, every problem, anything the enemy might try to come against you, you're above it. You're not beneath it. Yes, you've been exalted. I'm not talking about, now listen, don't get confused. I'm not talking about you're something great. I'm talking about he's something great because when we live the way he's called us to live, it exalts him, it glorifies him. It says this in Habakkuk chapter two, you know this scripture, verse 14, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord's glory as the waters cover the sea. Think about that for a minute. If you are supposed to be manifesting the glory of God, how would the glory of God get all over the earth? Well, you're supposed to take it. You're supposed to be walking in it, and when you're walking in it, everybody sees the glory. Man, I just, you come into, come into work and you're manifesting glory instead of manifesting something else, some kind of grumpy attitude, it's Monday and all this garbage. You start manifesting the glory of God and people come in, they're gonna start feeling the glory of God. They say, what's going on here? What is this? They're walking, it. It's like, it's like water covering the earth, the glory's everywhere because wherever you go, there he is. Man, am I, I feel like I'm more excited than you. And I got five kids. Come on. I want you to say this with me. I'm saturated with his glory. Miracles manifest 
wherever I go, because his glory is in me. So I want to talk to you. Are you okay this morning? Is this all right? I want to talk to you about how to steward this, because this is the thing. A lot of people, well, a lot of people wouldn't even, you're not going to hear this in most churches, okay? You're going to hear something else. But you're, most people don't have any concept of what it is to walk in the glory of God. But I, I want to talk to you about how to steward this. How do you walk in the glory of God? I want you to go back to Samson now for a minute. So you got to steward something. When my kids get a few dollars, now lately the five below went in. As soon as they get five bucks, they want to go to the five below. They don't have any concept of where, what it takes to get the money. I make them earn it, but as soon as they get it, they want to go because they, they haven't learned how to steward their money. Some adults are like that. As soon as they get it, it's gone. They haven't learned how to steward their finances. What am I talking about? I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about walking in the glory of God. You got to learn how to steward this thing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a man going on a journey. And he left something. He left, he left some, some talents, he calls it, some talents to some different people. And the talent, I looked this, I looked this up recently, the talent was worth 6,000 days wages. That was the equivalent, 6,000 days wages. So a talent was an amount of money nobody had ever seen before. They, some people had it, some rich people had it, but no, no common people had that kind of money. And so when he's talking about leaving something, he's talking about leaving something valuable. You have been given something valuable. And just like in that parable, they were responsible for how they stewarded what they were given. Well, it got really quiet. You got a steward. Steward the presence of God. Steward the glory of God that's in you. Learn how to use it properly. So here's Samson. And you know the story, or you've seen the old movie. Samson was filled with the presence of God, but he's a wild man, isn't he? He's a wild man with no, he's, he's like my kids at five below. I got five bucks, I'm running all over the store. I got five bucks, where am I gonna spend it? He was like, oh, he was a wild man. But the Lord used him. The spirit of the Lord, the first time he comes on him, I think it surprised him a little bit because a, a lion comes at him and surprised. You don't wanna be the lion surprising Samson. The lion came after Samson. It says Samson tore the lion apart and it's kind of disgusting. It says like you would, like he might have torn apart a young goat. I don't, I don't want to imagine why or how he would have a young goat. It's, it's kind of gross, but that's how he tore the lion. Like you might just pick up a little baby goat and just rip it into pieces for some reason. People did that, I guess. But that's how that's what Samson did to that lion. But when it happened, he says it says he didn't go tell his parents. I think it surprised him. He didn't know. The, until then, that the spirit of God was on him like that. And suddenly, he got a little excited. He's got five bucks and he's gonna go, guess what I'm gonna do? And he just goes crazy, right? And so you know this, the story. I mean, he's, he's, he gets involved with all these women. I mean, there's so many women in this story. It's, it's, not, it's not even PG-13, it's beyond that. And he's just, he's doing all kinds of crazy stuff, supernatural stuff. He kills a thousand men with a donkey's jawbone. Imagine that. A, a thousand people, and he kills them with the because he finds that there's a jawbone laying here. He just starts hacking people. They all are armed people. These are people with swords. He's got a donkey. He kills. Okay, anyway, 
He picks up the gates of a city and carries them on top of a mountain. It's supernatural stuff God's doing through him. But I want you to go to chapter 16 because this is where we're going this morning. Chapter 16, Samson and Delilah. Delilah, verse four, sometime later, he fell in love with a woman named Delilah. The Philistine leaders went to her and said, persuade him to tell you where his great strength comes from. And we'll each give you some money. We'll each give you 1,100 pieces of silver if you can find out where his power comes from so we can overpower him and make him helpless. See, he wasn't this enormous guy. Because sometimes we read this and we think of, you know, the rock, right? Or um, one of the wrestlers, the, what, I don't know who the, huh? Steve Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin. You think of somebody like, he didn't look like that. They said, we want to know where his strength comes from. Because I can tell he doesn't, he doesn't bench press anything. He doesn't, he doesn't lift weights. I don't see him going to the gym. I want to know where his great strength comes from. It came from God. And so Delilah, she gets to, I think it says here, um, she begins to pester him. Let me see where it is. So, so uh, day after day, she begins to pester him. We, we would call it something else, um, nagging. But we're gonna, it's not polite. But, and she's a nag. Every day, tell me why, how you're so strong. Pestering, pester every day, nonstop. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. We'll use the children. They just are, they're incessant. They drive you crazy. Why don't you stop asking me that? No, 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 no. Okay, fine, because they know you're going to give in. They keep, they keep asking. They keep asking. Day after day, she kept it up. She probably called it persistence. Listen, persistence pays off. The enemy is persistent. If you, if you are not firm, persistence will run its course. If you are not firm with the enemy, he'll keep after you, he'll keep after you, he'll keep nagging, he'll keep coming every single day until you give in. You gotta learn how to say no. You've got to learn how to walk with some authority. Samson had no idea what I'm talking about. See, people think, they read this story and they think Samson was, was just dumb. Because you read this and it's, how, it's, it's like he's so stupid he said, she says, tell me the secret of your strength. And he says, well, and he makes something up. If you tie me up with brand new ropes, then I'll become weak. He wakes up and he's tied up with brand new ropes. How do you think that happened? It's like he was stupid, but he wasn't stupid. He loved, Samson, he loved Delilah more than he loved the anointing of God on his life. He loved Sam, he loved, I keep saying Samson. He loved Delilah. He probably loved Samson too, but he loved Delilah more than he loved the presence of God on his life. Listen, you gotta get to a point, you can't straddle the fence. You can't love the world and love God. Friendship with the world is hatred toward God. You gotta get to a place in your life where you're, where you're sold out now. You gotta steward this thing. You've been given something. You've been given the presence of God, the manifest 
the manifest uh, um, presence of God in your life, you got you to steward this because the enemy is persistent. you got to fall in love with Jesus or you're not going to make it. Return to your first love. So look at, I want you to look at verse 20. Verse 20, we go through the story. And she calls out, Samson, the Philistines are here. Oh, she tricks him, right? Let me back up a little bit. She tricks him, and, and finally he can't take it anymore. And he says, fine, if you shave my head, I'll become weak. Now, that's not, that's not true anymore. Actually, if you shave your head, you become stronger. Um, but Samson... Samson said, if you shave my head, right, Greg? If you shave your head, then, then I'll become weak. And so she's, he goes to sleep on her lap. Listen, the enemy's telling you, hey, it's okay. Just go to sleep. Don't worry about it. Don't just go to sleep on my lap. It's fine. There's a lot of Christians going to sleep on the enemy's lap. Come on. Samson, she cries, the Philistines are here. When he woke up, he says, I'll escape like I did before and shake myself free. But he didn't know the presence of God had left him. He had no idea the presence of God was gone. There's a lot of Christians, they got no idea. They got no idea because they're not in love with Jesus. They got no idea because they're just playing church. Listen, you can, the time for playing is over. God wants you to walk in the manifest just presence of his glory. It's time for you to start mean in business with him. See, we think Samson was dumb, but he was just like a lot of Christians. See, we read this word just like Israel every day, back and forth. One day they're in love with Jesus, the next day they're in love with the world. Back and forth, back and forth, and we say, man, they were stupid. Nah, just like a lot of Christians today. Just, just don't mean business with God. Just playing games with God. Hanging out with the world and not recognizing they're quenching the Holy Spirit of God within them. I want you to look at this with me. The Word of God says this in, in 1 Thessalonians 5. Did I give you this? 16 to 22. You can memorize this this morning. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then he says this in verse 19. Don't stifle the Spirit. Don't stifle the spirit. Don't, it says in the, the King James, I think, don't quench the Holy Spirit of God. See, listen, you can quench the spirit of God in you. That's why he says, he, say, he says, rejoice, always pray constantly, give thanks in everything. And he goes after that, he talks about despising, don't despise prophecies, test all things, hold on to what's good, stay away from evil, all these things. But in the middle of all that stuff, don't quench the Holy Spirit. You can quench the Spirit of God in your life. See, I told you in the beginning, let him out or you can stifle him. You can quench the Spirit of God. See, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You got his, the Holy Spirit of fire in you. Paul tells Timothy, stir up, fan into flame, the gift of God, fan into flame. This thing that's in you, you have to, you have to feed the fire. I had, a, I had a stump in my yard, and I decided to burn it out just for fun because I thought it would be exciting. And I had, a, I, had a, I had a fire going. Me and the kids were out there. We were stoking that fire. We were fanning it. Man, that thing, we didn't have to fan it. After well, I let it burn for a couple of days, and suddenly this thing was, it was like hot, hot. I'm talking like it was hot, hot, hot. That stump was just smoldering. 
And one night, I think it was the middle of the night, I look out the window because I'm always just a little bit concerned about it, right? So I'm, I'm looking out the window in the middle of the night and that thing's shooting sparks everywhere and it's been dry. I said, I, I, said, I gotta go put some water on this thing. I got out there and I sprayed that thing down as best as I could. I got up in the morning, guess what? It was, that thing was still trucking. It was, it was not gonna quit. You know why? Because that fire was so hot. You got something in you, but you can put it out. It takes some work. You start doing the wrong things long enough, you'll, it'll take some work. But you gotta stoke, Paul tells Timothy, stoke that fire, fan that flame, put some stuff on that thing, let it burn in you. You gotta get to a place where you say, Lord, I want you to burn through me so people can experience the love of God, so they can experience the presence of God, so they can see you're, you're for real. This is a real thing now we're talking about. We're not talking about playing church, coming to church and, and playing games. We're talking about living your life the way God intended you to live because Jesus died so that you can live the way he called you to live. He died so that you can have his glory manifesting through you. Come on. You gotta learn how to walk in the anointing. Listen, I'm, I'm not trying to beat anybody up. This is preparing you how to live. This is preparing you for the life God's called you to live. Are you still with me? Jesus talked about his anointing. I want you to just catch this for a second. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord, he read from the scroll in Isaiah. Remember this story, Luke chapter four, he stands up, he takes the, the scroll of Isaiah and he begins to read, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me to do what? To preach the good news. He's anointed me to, and he, let, me, let me turn there real quick. Can you turn there? Because I want you guys to catch this. I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture this morning, but it's good because maybe it'll get in you, Yeah. Luke chapter four, he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to, and, and look at this, in this translation, he sent me to preach, he sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. He sent me to set free the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I want you to catch this, he was sent to preach and he was sent to proclaim and proclaim. He was sent to speak something. He was anointed to speak. You have an anointing on you, but it's got to come out of your mouth. Jesus' anointing, it flowed, from, it flowed from his lips. When he saw people possessed by the devil, how did he set them free? Go in the name of Jesus. He didn't say in the name of Jesus because it was already him, but we say it. Go in the name of Jesus. Go. He would just say go. We add in the name of Jesus. Go. And the demon goes. When he saw somebody sick, now he did it different times, but he always told him what to do. He would just, sometimes he'd just say he sees a paralytic on the mat and he says, get up. It came out of his mouth. You gotta let something come out of you now because I'm talking about stewarding the glory of God that's on your life. Are you still with me? Is that okay? Look at this. Look at Ephesians chapter four. Are you getting something from this this morning? Okay. Ephesians 4. And let's start. Well, he give, he's got a lot of things he says here. He's give, Paul's giving instructions to the church in Ephesus. And he, he says in verse 25, put away lying. Speak the truth to, to your neighbor. We're members of one another. Drop down to verse 28. The, the, the thief can't steal anymore. And then look at verse 29. No foul language is to come out of your mouth, but only what's good for building someone up 
who is in need. And here's the thing. We take that foul language to mean bad words, you know, swearing, um, telling dirty jokes. All that's part of it. But really what that, what that word foul means is worthless. Don't let any worthless talk come out of your mouth. In the book of Matthew, Jesus said, you'll be held accountable for every idle word you speak. Words that don't produce. A worthless word doesn't produce anything. Worthless words don't produce fruit. So he says, don't speak any foul words. And in verse 30, and don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. Listen, what does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? It makes him sad. It makes him sorry. He feels bad. That's what grieving means. He feels bad about it. So look, he's got this list of things. Don't steal, don't lie, don't, don't speak worthless words. All those things grieve the Holy Spirit. When you speak a worthless word, you don't give the Holy Spirit anything to do. Your words give the Holy Spirit something to do. Right? When Jesus said, go, boom, what's happening in the spirit? If you could see the spirit realm at that moment when Jesus spoke that word in the natural, something happened in the spirit realm that forced those demons to leave because authority was released from him. When Jesus said to the paralytic, get up, boom, something's happening in the spirit. You can't see it, but it's happening. The Holy Spirit's going to work. There's things happening behind the scenes. When you speak, authority and power is released, but when only, you only speak worthless words, what are you giving the spirit authority to do? Nothing. And you could go even just worse than that. Well, you know, you say, you're struggling with your finances. I guess I'll never get caught up. What's that? That's a worthless word. The Holy Spirit is grieved by that kind of speaking. He says, oh man, come on. Now I can't, now I can't. I want to work in your life. I want to manifest my glory, but I can't do anything because you won't speak your authority. Well, I guess the Lord will heal me if he wants to. Worthless words. See, some people have put so much on, on God's responsibility. Well, God will do something if he wants to. I don't really, I've read this somewhere on, on line or something Recently, somebody was talking about, well, I'm, I'm, I'm saved by grace and it's all because of, that's all because of God. Even my, my faith is because of God. But listen, you're responsible to do something with it. Amen. For by grace are you saved through faith. Well, he gave me the faith. Yes, but you have to act on it. You got to act on it. You got you to speak it. We, we prayed this morning for this young man to come to know the Lord. It had to come out of your mouth. You're saved because you, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart. You got to act on it. Well, it's just that time of year. I guess one of us is going to get sick. Worthless words. Worthless. I know we talk about this a lot. I, you, you guys get this, don't you? But you have an obligation to speak words that bring life. Speak words that don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Speak words that give him the permission to do something with because he, he waits on your permission he waits for you to say, I want, I want this. Because that's isn't that what Jesus said? You can have whatever you ask for. Didn't he say that? Well, you don't have because you don't ask, and you don't ask for the right things, the right reasons, and all this. But look, it's got to come out of your mouth. You're in a partnership with the Holy Spirit. He wants to manifest his glory through you. 
Come on, I told you I had, I had like a month's worth of sermon here. Let me, try to, let me try to bring this thing to a landing here. Judges chapter 16. And um, Vicki, if you all worship team, try to make this make sense here. Judges chapter 16. Let me get to the end of this story. Verse 25, well, and let me, let me back up because the, the, Samson didn't know the Lord had left him. Verse 21, the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes. They leave that out of the children's story all the time. I try to tell my kids the more gory versions of the Bible because I want them to know the truth. And so they, we, read, we, read one of the little, we were reading one of the little children's versions the other day. And I said, now what really happened here? They said, and they, they cut out his eyeballs. I said, that's right. They cut out his eyeballs. They, I want you guys to know the truth. I, one of my kids got in trouble one day because he stood up in a Sunday school class when they were doing David and Goliath. And he said, he said, that's not what happened. He said, David didn't kill him with the stone. He just knocked him out. And then he went and cut off his head with the sword and held up his head so everybody could see. And I said, that's right, boy. That's right. You preach the word of God now. You're going to be a preacher. <laughs> But um, in verse, verse 21, the Philistines cut his eyes out, they gouged him out. Um, some, some, I read about this because I'm interested in the gross stuff, and these, some, some um, people think they actually would have burned his eyes out with um, something hot, I guess. Uh, anyway, they brought him bound and forced him to grind, grind grain in prison. And it says in verse 22, but his hair began to grow back after it had been shaved. My point is, so what? His hair grew back. So what if his hair grows back? It wasn't about the hair, it was about the presence of God. The presence of God, the spirit of God was on him, not because of his hair, but because he had been obedient to not cut his hair. He had been walking in obedience. So anyway, his hair grows back. And later on, the Philistines are having a, a festivity, um, a great sacrifice to their God, Dagon, and they brought Samson in so they could make fun of him, so they could mock him. And he, he found a little boy in that temple of Dagon, and he said, he said, just put me between the pillars. I'm just a weak old man. Just put me between these pillars so I can just rest for a minute. And so there's Samson. He's got his hands on the pillars, and he prays to the Lord for strength one more time. And he says this, Lord God, please remember me. Strengthen me, God, just once more. And it says, with one, he says, with one act of vengeance, let me pay back the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson was a wild man who didn't steward what God had put in him. But in that moment, he pushes the pillars and the temple collapses. And it says that over, I think, 3,000 people, there were 3,000 men and women on the roof. And I suppose more than that too on the inside, they all, they all were killed with one act. And it says this, it makes this statement. In verse 30, the dead he killed at his death were more than those he had killed in his life. And I, this verse has always spoke to me, you know, because until you're willing to die, until you're willing to take up your cross and follow Jesus, until you're willing to give everything and say, Lord, I wanna know you. I want your glory to shine through me. More than I love the world, I love you, Jesus, and I want you, until you're willing to say, Lord, I lay it all down at your feet, you won't have victory. See, Jesus died so that you could walk in victory. But until you fully trust him, 
until you, until you walk the way he's called you to walk, you can't have victory. I want you to stand up with me. Samson is mentioned in Hebrews 11 as a man of faith. You know, it might be hard reading that story to think that was a man of faith, but he did have faith, didn't he? He believed that God was in him even though he had no reason to have supernatural strength. He saw God working through him and he believed that. But listen, you can have all the faith in the world and not be right with God. You can have all the faith of the world and be far from God. Samson might have been a man of faith, but he didn't have a good idea what it meant to steward the presence of God in his life. See, listen, God's put his spirit in you. Just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. God's put his Holy Spirit in you. He's deposited something inside of you that is meant to be shared with the world. But there's so many Christians who haven't learned how to steward that anointing, steward that presence of God on them. I want you to hear again this definition of glory, the manifest perfection of his righteousness. God wants to manifest the perfection of his righteousness. Look, it's not about me being perfect. It's not about me being good enough. It's all about him and what he's done for me. But that doesn't mean I have, an ex I have some kind of excuse to live however I wanna live. You're called to steward that anointing, that presence of God on your life. I wanna pray for you and then I want you to make a faith declaration with me. Lord, we thank you for your anointing. Lord, we thank you for your presence in our lives, for the manifest greatness of your, the perfection of your righteousness that's manifest through us. We thank you for the glory that's on our lives. Lord, I pray you'd help us to walk the way you've called us to walk, that we wouldn't grieve your Holy Spirit, that we wouldn't quench the Spirit, that we would speak words of life, we'd speak words of blessing, that we'd walk in the favor of God. Right now, maybe you're here this morning and your life isn't right with Jesus, just like this young man this morning that prayed, you can make your life right. If you need to do that this morning, I want you just to raise your hand and wave at me. We're gonna pray for you. Maybe you're watching online this morning, just say, Jesus, come into my life and make me a new person. I give you my life today, Jesus. But for the rest of us, I want you to, I want you to say these words with me. I am walking in the glory that Jesus has given me. I have the Holy Spirit's power. He's working in me. I am above every situation. I'm above every circumstance. I'm above every problem. And I always have victory because Jesus makes me to triumph. Jesus always makes me to triumph. Miracles manifest wherever I go because I am saturated with his glory.